Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. So we've been working through 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. The first 10 verses over the last uh, four weeks, um, the first 10 verses really uh, have been, you know, relatively redundant, and yet uh, they've been specific to the uh, temporal, the world, the reality that we live in, the tough stuff. Um, and what's great is I don't think any of us, I don't think I need to do a very, I don't, need to, I don't think I need to work very hard at letting you know how tough it is out there. Um, or, uh, for some of you, how tough it is in your minds, or in your marriages, or in your homes, or in the lives of your kids, or at your, at your school, in your classroom. I think we all kind of, yeah, we're pretty well aware of how difficult things can get. In these verses, 11 through 15, uh, we begin to see a shift in my mind as we work through this book, this chapter. We see a shift of, you know, what is our current state? What, what is going to happen? We ended last week with that. Uh, but this week, we're really that shift between what truth is, what the gospel is, what the good news is, and how it penetrates and drastically impacts today. And that transition in our minds, in our days, in our relationships, when applied, I think is, 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 that's the game changer. That's the X factor. When we let the things that we know and the things that we read and the things that we hear about impact the way that we operate. And that's why I'm, I'm really excited about tonight. Let me read. Verses 11 through 15, and then we'll walk through them. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, I'm reading out of the NASB, says this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made to manifest to God. We are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are manifest, we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not, again, commending ourselves to you, but are giving you uh, an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer to those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For we are beside ourselves. It is for God. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that who who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. When I read this passage, and I was working on this sermon series, and I was working through it, um, the first half of this, it's, uh, it's uniting 
the perspective of the church in Corinth and Paul and, and his team uh, for the sake of the people. So all of them for one. And then the second half is, uh, and one for all. I literally I can't stop thinking of the three musketeers. All right? So everyone for one, for the lost soul, for the sake of the gospel, how it impacts, for the testifying and the confessing of the church. And then the re- what are we confessing that, that one for all, but all he saw and one gave his life. So let's break down uh, verse number 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. So uh, Paul, writing this letter to the church of Corinth, um, understand that in this portion of this letter, there, uh, this letter really, he's addressing um, a couple of very big topics, uh, but he's, he's, he's talking about in these verses um, two things that I want to bring up. One is a false gospel, and two are false apostles. So when we read the Bible, right, uh, <sighs> The Bible is so common within our context of church, we understand that it's a constant, consistent. Back then, these letters that were being circulated and these people that were going from town to town, some of them said, this is the good news. This is the gospel, and yet it was twisted and perverted. It was not the good news. It was fake. It was false. It was inaccurate. And people also went from town to town bashing Paul saying, we are apostles, but they weren't apostles. They didn't walk with Jesus. They didn't encounter Jesus. They weren't empowered and anointed by Christ. Like They weren't apostles, but they were declaring themselves apostles and then bad-mouthing the apostles that were operating, and Paul was one of them. So in this passage, he is both addressing the fake gospel, calling it out and declaring what the true gospel is, and he is defending himself and calling out the people that are dragging his name through the mud in these, in these verses, right? So at the end of last week, we, hit, uh, we were working towards understanding that there will come a day where we stand before the creator of everything, and, and we will be held accountable in judgment for the good and the bad. Uh, there will be a reckoning that occurs there. Those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those that receive the grace and forgiveness, the atonement of their sins because of his shed blood, that have confessed with their mouths that Jesus is Lord of their life, and they believe in their heart that God rose them from the dead, those that are saved, right, uh, they will have that relationship not only today but also for all of eternity in his presence. Those that have not, he said, go, go. I, I do not know you. I don't know you. And so that, that was huge. And then it says in verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Where is the fear of the Lord? Fear there is not talking about being scared of God. It's seeing him who he really is and it's a, it's a level of respect and acknowledgement of his authority. Do you fear the Lord? If you understand verses 9 and 10, 
and you believe it, then, then there's got to be something in you that says you have a desire to fear the Lord. Yes, you know, knowing the fear of the Lord. This is what he said. We, as people, we know the fear of the Lord. We persuade men. We persuade men. We have a deep, deep desire as ministers of the gospel to tell people, to encourage people, to beg people, to persuade them into understanding and stepping out of the boat in faith to receive the truth that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We persuade them. We do everything that we can to demonstrate the gospel, the true gospel. but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not, again, commending ourselves to you. He's like, we're not like, patting ourselves on the back here, right? Paul's not saying, yeah, yeah, we're so good, we're so good. We're, we're persuading people. We're doing the work of the ministry, right? We're working really hard here. He's not saying that to, to pat themselves on the back, um, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer, an answer. Why would they need an answer? If they're being challenged in some way, they need to be able to stand firm and say, well, this is what they're doing. This is what Paul is doing. He is spreading the gospel. He is, he, is, he is spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And you need to be equipped with that knowledge that that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. That's what he's working towards. So that you will have an answer for those who take pride. And this is where he hones in on these people. For those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. There was an issue within the church that, that, that was not only... Uh, multiplied and magnified because of the fake gospel that was coming in, um, but the people that were dragging other apostles' names through the mud by appearance, by the way that they looked. And he's saying here, it's important that you understand what we're doing and why we're doing it because you need to be able to give an answer to the people that care more about the outside than the inside. When I read letters that God wrote through Paul to a church, there's a couple of things that I ask myself. Um, one is, God, what, where, what do I need to correct? When he's writing against the people, when he's warning and defending the church against these fake apostles, one, do I drag other people's name through the mud? Oh. Two, do I ever take pride more in appearance than in the heart? Do I judge more on the cover or the content? And then I'd flip it around. Do you? Do you? Do we? Do we care more about the stuff or the heart? God, that we would be people that look deeper, that care much more 
than the surface, but take into consideration the heart. So he's calling out these people that were, <laughs> he said, they care more about the appearance than uh, the heart. So either they were making fun of the clothes that he wore or his hairstyle <laughs> or his weight. And I don't know what it was, um, but his outward appearance. But he also goes after his mind. The, the, the fake apostles, they attack his credibility uh, not only as an apostle, but also the way he looks and uh, his sanity. In verse 13, it says, For if we are beside ourselves, if they, what they're saying is true, if we're really crazy, that's what it means. If we're, if, if we're, re- I can see him screaming it with a little bit of a cross eye. If we're really crazy, okay, it is for God. I grew up in the 1990s, DC Talk, Jesus Freak. Memorized every single word of that super sick rap, okay? Look it up. It's really good, all right? But the song is about, I don't care if you see me as a freak, because I'm a freak for Jesus. I'm a Jesus freak. And they go through, that's like the mentality. They wrote a book about it, okay? It's about, if I'm really losing my mind, it's for God. It is. Call me crazy. I don't care, because I'm crazy for him. It doesn't matter what you think. And I can't tell you how many times I've been called crazy. And growing up, the, the culture calling things crazy that is biblical, and it's, it's nonstop. It's crazy to save virginity for marriage. It's crazy. It's crazy not to do drugs. It's crazy to put that thing down or not to look at that. It's crazy to treat this person with respect. It's crazy not to sleep in on Sunday. It's crazy to respect your parents. Are you kidding me? It's crazy to work hard in school. It's crazy not to be lazy. It's crazy not to run away from problems. It's crazy to admit that you're broken. It's crazy to ask for help. These are the things that I've been told it's crazy to do. For if we are beside ourselves, if we really are out of our minds, it's for God. And if we're of sound mind, it's for you. (laughs) I think it's funny. I think it's great. And this is where he shifts into what is the good news. For the love of Christ controls us. Let that be a sentence that each of us could pin. For the love of Christ controls us. Controls us. That's crazy. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, and this is where he hits the specificity of the gospel. That one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. 
on their behalf. For the love of Christ controls us. This gospel, this good news that he begins to walk through, I think it is so important. Up front, at the first few verses of this, of this passage, he's talking about how, why he does what he does, the, the, the content that of which he does it in a way for people to defend so that they are united as a church against people that are either doing things that are not in accordance to Scripture, that are not the gospel of Jesus Christ, or they're spreading rumors that causing division within the church, dragging down apostles or people that are spreading the word. Okay? So he's uniting everyone for the sake of this. And then he's equipping them with that which they are supposed to tell, the gospel. Some of you know the story with me. Um, Some people don't, uh, so I'll share it anyways. Um, When I was very young, when I was young, when I was young, uh, my mom's dad, uh, my, my grandma came to town, um, one Christmas, we were in Oklahoma, they're in Denver. Love Denver, love Denver. Um, they were in Denver, we were in Oklahoma, Mimi came into town, uh, and the man, I, I'm named after him. His name's Robert Andrew Bennett, and my name is Bennett Andrew Holloway, okay? This is my, my namesake, my, my grandfather's who I was named after. He, uh, on my mom's side. So, uh, grandma comes into town, I'm young still, um, I don't really remember a lot of this, uh, uh, but what I know is that he passed away, and I was given a picture of, of his death, and it was in his recliner, he loved his recliner, and it was while watching Jeopardy, Man went to, my, both my grandparents went to Stanford, uh, whizzes, geniuses, headstrong, I mean, they're, they're Oh, they were incredible. So much knowledge. So much so that he just loved as a hobby to do Jeopardy. Okay? What? No. All right? I'm a Price is Right kind of guy. Right? He's Jeopardy. All right? So uh, I didn't get the gene. I got the name and not the Come on. All right. So um, uh, he passed away in his chair. And uh, while watching the show, he loved. And we had his funeral. And what's crazy, my mom was about my age. My mom was about my age now. And uh, time goes, time goes on. And I am in middle school when my mom feels like it's okay to talk about it now. Uh, my whole family, we all accepted Christ really around third grade. So, you know, sometime later, uh, we sat down and my mom, I remember the kitchen, I remember this memory so vividly. Uh, we're in the kitchen. She pulls up a bar stool, has me sit down with her one morning. She said, son, I need to tell you something about grandpa. I said, okay. And she said, he, he didn't just die in his chair watching Jeopardy. I was like, okay. And she said, he, he committed suicide. So I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm here, I hear it, and I'm like, did he know Christ? Um, and, her, I mean, she, her honest answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he did. He never went to church. There's no fruit. I don't know. 
And from that point on, I made it a point to not, to not have that answer after anyone in our family died. And as I got older, uh, I actually, the enemy leveraged this um, to make me angry in some areas uh, at the people that chose not to share the gospel with him throughout his life. I didn't even know him, and I was really mad at him. Because as I get older, I find out that he struggles with alcoholism, he struggles with gambling, he struggles, you know, he's an addict, uh, he struggled strongly with depression. His coping mechanisms were all of these things. And um, incredibly smart guy that missed it, missed the purpose, never received the hope, never felt like he could ask for help. And I got really mad at the people that chose not to share Christ with him, not share the good news. And then the Lord convicts me. But in that, he also motivated me. And he reinforced the idea of sharing it, of having that talk and telling people the good news. So that's what I beg of you. Stop wasting time and do it. Let me show you where to start. Because you actually don't have to preach at them. You don't have to tell them all the things that they're doing wrong. You don't have to be the Holy Spirit and convict or correct. You, you don't even have to do that to share the good news. You know what you can do? Admit and confess. You, you, can say, you can say, this is where I've had it wrong, and this is how I've messed up. But guess what he did for me? Did, did I realize in a moment that one died for me so that I may live no longer. It's not about me, but it's about him that gave his life and he rose again on my behalf. Just read that passage. Read verse 15. Ah, all I know is that happened. And he did it for me. And he did it for you. There's a debate on the word all here. He died for all so that they who uh, live might no longer live, for the, not, won't be selfish, but live for the sake of the glory of God, the all there. And uh, the debate is, is for all of mankind or all of the church? All of mankind, all of the church, right? Is it, is it, uh, is it Calvin or is, there, I mean, is, it, is it for everyone or just the elect, just the select, just these people? Let me just say my perspective of this, it is God died, right, 
for the opportunity for every single beating heart to come to know him, but the free will for every single beating heart to choose him. And at the end of time, everyone that did, that's who we died for. For those people to have life for all of eternity. And so who are you and who am I to say the person across the street, the person next door, the person that works for you, or the person that you work for isn't one of those people? Who are you and I to steward and control the gospel and not give it to others? Because you don't know how many Roberts you have in your life. I don't know how many Roberts I have in my family that are waiting for the opportunity for you and me to read verse 15 to them. And when they grill you and they ask you all the questions, and for you to say, it's okay, I, I don't know. Or you say, all I do know is what I deserved, what I've done, who he is, how he sees me, and what he did for me. No one relates with a know-it-all. No one relates with someone that's perfect. Everyone relates with someone that's messed up or has regrets. And I hate to break it to you, but that's you. So, whenever we're sharing the gospel with, today is all about, this is confessing that I once was one way and he did everything for me. I've received it and now I want to tell you about it. The love of Christ controls me. The fear of the Lord compels me. He died so that I may have life that's not with a capital I. That's not about me. So that's my challenge to you in this passage. That's my conviction as I'm reading through it. Understanding verse 9 and 10 that compels us through the fear of the Lord to not only defend and stay united, but be able to defend what we know to be true. To not be divisive, but also to tell people the core of what we believe and why we believe it, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that is the information that changes one through ten. The, the temporal, the tent, the longing, the pain, the groaning and the moaning that we've read through for four weeks, that truth in 15 shifts one through ten. And we're about to see what the uh, manifestation of when that truth penetrates our lives, what the byproduct is in the rest of this chapter. We're going to talk about reconciliation. We're going to talk about walking in power. We're going to be talking about being dead and risen, new creation. We're working through that stuff. But if you don't get, if you don't get 15, then you're not going to get the rest. And if you don't, if you get 15, and you don't tell anyone about it, then do you really get it? 
Do I get it? And I'm not talking about for my job. That's why so many, it's so difficult. Well, that's your job, bro. That's what, that's what you do for a living. No, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm talking about coming to a place of being honest and open with people from where you've been and where you are and who deserves the glory for it. Giving him the credit. And sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for that truth. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for verses 14 and 15. That we may experience life that's not centered around ourselves. but it's for the sake of those that you died for. It's the, for the sake of your name being known. God, if there's anyone in here that has not made you Lord of their life, I don't care about head knowledge. I'm not even talking about that, Lord, but if there's anyone that hasn't placed you on their throne, given you control, Father, I pray that they do it tonight. Father, for the people in the lives of everyone that hears this, who are like my grandfather, who are hopeless, who are coping, who no longer want to live, who are sitting in these first verses of this chapter about how difficult life is, and the pains of this world, but they don't know the hope that is found in you. God, I pray that you give boldness and opportunity in the name of Jesus Christ for us, for each of us as individuals to carry that gospel into the life of that person. And let us start with where we've messed up. Let us start with where we've had it wrong. Let it start with where we have struggled. And let it end with what God, what you want to do in the life of the person that we're talking to. You're the one that does it all anyways. Father, if there is someone here that needs it, let them confess you as Lord. If you've brought someone to mind, God, to go share the good news of Jesus Christ with? Let them commit before you tonight just to lift that relationship up, lift that person up, and go and just say it. To go and just ask it. To go and tell of the hope that is found, the reality of what you did and how you died and how you rose again so that we may experience life all of eternity. As your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want you to think and just pray. I mean, pray silently, pray out loud, pray whatever, however you want to pray, but pray to the Lord and either repent, confess, um, submit, and lift up the name of the person that he is putting on your heart uh, and just kind of, just right now, just begin to talk to him 
and ask him for opportunity and favor and, and that person to accept you at him as their, their Lord and Savior. Just go ahead and begin to pray right now for that person. And what we're going to do is we're going to step into some worship. As you're praying, continue in that posture of prayer into worship. But I want you to know I'll be stepping to the side. I'll be stepping uh, to the side of the worship center. And if any of you, if any of you want to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know, come speak to me. Come speak to me, and I'll pray over you. I'll encourage you. I'll walk you through what it looks like. I'll take your information, and we'll follow up. If any of you have lost hope to the point of you thought about giving up, just come over there and talk to me. Just talk to me. Just talk to me. Just give me a second of your time. No one's looking at you. Just come speak with me. But of course, the altar is open. You can do business with the Lord up here. But my challenge to you as you continue to worship and as you continue to pray is give it all to Him. Give it all to Him. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Midweek Podcast here at Temple Church. If something spoke to your heart today, we'd love to hear from you and walk alongside you. You can reach us at temple at temple.church or you can send us a text message at 252-521-2093. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love it if you rate and review the show and share it with your friends. That helps us to get the word out. Again, you can join us weekly for more episodes on how God can transform us and use us for His kingdom. We'll see you next time.